Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 9, Part 20 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 213 is entitled, Dissension. A New Day Begins. Practical Eve suggests that until they have children to help them, they divide the labor and separate to get more done. Eve, having already worked out the details in her organized mind, proceeds to tell Adam how best to divide the labors. Adam, well may we labor still to dress this garden, still to tend, plant, herb, and flower, our pleasant task enjoined. But tell more hands aid us, the work under our labor grows luxurious by restraint. What we by day lop overgrown, or prune, or prop, or bind, one night or two with wanton growth derides tending to wild. Thou therefore now advise, or hear what to my mind first thoughts present. Let us divide our labors, thou where choice leads thee or where most needs, whether to wind the woodbine round this arbor, or direct the clasping ivy where to climb, while I in yonder spring of roses intermixed with myrtle find what to redress till noon. For while so near each other, thus all day our tasks we choose, what wonder if no near looks intervene, and smiles, or objects new casual discourse draw on, which intermits our day's work brought too little. Though begun early, and the hour of supper comes unearned. Adam, however, having been warned by Raphael that Lucifer is in the garden, doesn't want Eve to leave his sight. He is less concerned about the task at hand. He tries to dissuade Eve from her plan. He is at first very diplomatic without coming to the point. He uses sincere flattery. To whom mild answer Adam thus returned. Soul Eve, associate soul, to me beyond compare above all living creatures dear, well hast thou motioned, well thy thoughts employed, how we might best fulfill the work which here God hath assigned us, nor of me shall pass unpraised. For nothing lovelier can be found in woman than to study household good, and good works in her husband to promote. Adam is less practical. He reminds Eve that although tending the garden is important, companionship is better. Intelligent discourse is barred the brute beast. Humans were made for higher things than satisfying the stomach. They were made to delight in each other's company. If they work together, they may reason together and exercise their higher faculties. Adam compromises and suggests that being apart a short time would be acceptable, hoping to dissuade Eve from her more ambitious plan to remain apart all morning. Adam continues, Yet not so strictly hath our Lord imposed labor as to debar us when we need refreshment, 
whether food or talk between, food of the mind, or this sweet intercourse of looks and smiles, for smiles from reason flow, to brute denied, and are of love the food, love not the lowest end of human life. For not to irksome toil, but to delight he made us, and delight to reason joined. These paths and bowers doubt not, but our joint will keep from wilderness with ease as wide as we need walk, till younger hands ere long assist us. But if much converse perhaps thee satiate, to short absent I could yield, for solitude sometimes is best society, and short retirement urges sweet return. Perhaps Adam sees a reluctance in Eve's face, so he takes a stronger approach. Here he makes his first mistake with Eve by suggesting that without him she is vulnerable. But other doubt possesses me, lest harm befall thee severed from me. For thou knowest what hath been warned us, what malicious foe envy in our happiness, and of his own despairing, seeks to work us woe and shame by sly assault. And somewhere nigh at hand watches, no doubt with greedy hope to find his wish and best advantage, us asunder, hopeless to circumvent us joined, where each to other speedily aid might lend at need. Whether his first design be to withdraw our felty from God, or to disturb conjugal love, then which perhaps no bliss enjoyed by us excites his envy more. Adam was doing quite well with his argument, but then he made a fatal mistake. He pulled the husband as protector card. He added, Or this, or worse, leave not the faithful side that gave thee being, still shades thee and protects. The wife, where danger or dishonor lurks, safest and seemliest by her husband stays, who guards her, or with her the worst endures. Eve is offended. She feels like she can defend herself. She is more austere in her reply. To whom the virgin majesty of Eve, as one who loves and some unkindness meets, with sweet austere composure thus replied. Suddenly, in Eden, Adam and Eve have their first argument. Eve craftily forms her words. She reminds Adam that she already knew the dangers, for she had eavesdropped on her husband's conversation with Raphael. Offspring of heaven and earth, and all earth's Lord, that such an enemy we have, who seeks our ruin, both by thee informed I learned, and from the parting angel overheard, as in a shady nook I stood behind, just then returning at shut of evening flowers. She then reminds Adam that she is quite capable of protecting herself. She chides Adam for being afraid. But that thou shouldest my firmness therefore doubt to God or thee, because we have a foe may tempt it. I expect not to hear. His violence thou fearest not, being such as we, not capable of death or pain, can either not receive or can repel. His fraud is then thy fear which plain infers thy equal fear that my firm faith and love can by his fraud be shaken or seduced. Thoughts, which how found their harbor in thy breast, Adam, misthought of her to thee so dear? Adam, realizing his mistake, tries to flatter Eve. 
To whom with healing words Adam replied, Daughter of God and man, immortal Eve, for such thou art, from sin and blame entire. Not diffident of thee do I dissuade thy absence from my sight, but to avoid the attempt itself intended by our foe. Adam cautions Eve not to stand in the way of temptation. She may be compromised. He reminds Eve that even if she doesn't give in to temptation, she would be dishonored by the tempter. She would be resentful. He reminds her that together they will be stronger against temptation. For he who tempts, though in vain, at least disperses the tempted with dishonor foul, supposed not incorruptible of faith, not proof against temptation. Thou thyself with scorn and anger would resent the offered wrong, though ineffectual found. Misdeem not them, if such a friend I labor to avert from thee alone, which on us both at once the enemy, though bold, will hardly dare or daring. First on me the assault shall lie. Adam cautions Eve that Satan must be very cunning if he seduced a third part of the angels in heaven to follow him nor thou his malice and false guile contemn. Settle he needs must be, who could seduce angels, nor think superfluous others' aid. Adam reminds Eve again that he is stronger in her presence, and she would be stronger in his presence. I, from the influence of thy looks, receive access in every virtue, in thy sight more wise, more watchful, stronger, if need were of outward strength. While shame, thou looking on shame to be overcome or overreached, would utmost vigor raise and raised unite. Why shouldest not thou like sense within thee feel when I am present, and thy trial choose with me, best witness of thy virtue tried? However, flattery doesn't work. She doesn't buy his argument. Adam should trust her. Eve responds, Her tone, though firm, is still sweet, though it has an edge to it. The beauty of this section is that Milton makes Adam and Eve seem like a normal married couple who are just getting to know each other. This is their first argument, their first confrontation. Two different points of view emerge. Adam takes on the role of protector, which Eve rejects. Eve is practical and efficient and doesn't share Adam's fears. In fact, she thinks her husband is too timid. She presents sound argument in her defense. If this be our condition, thus to dwell in narrow circuits straightened by a foe, subtle or violent, we not endued single with like defense, wherever met, how are we happy still in fear of harm? Eve reminds Adam that it is no affront to them if Satan tempts them as long as they don't give in. The dishonor is on the tempter. By resisting temptation, they receive double honor. But harm proceeds, not sin. Only our foe tempting affronts us with his foul esteem of our integrity. His foul esteem sticks no dishonor on our front, but turns foul on himself, then wherefore shunned or feared by us. Who rather double honor gain from his surmise-proof faults, find peace within, favored from heaven, our witness from the event? Eve says a profound thing. And what is faith, love, virtue unassailed alone, without exterior help sustained? 
In other words, without opposition, how can they know what faith, love, and virtue are? Eve adds further insight into the ambiguity of Eden, where there is no opposition. Let us not then suspect our happy state left so imperfect by the Maker wise as not secure to single or combined. Frail is our happiness. If this be so, an Eden were no Eden thus exposed. Adam's tone changes. However, he cannot command Eve to obey him. He continues to reason with her, reminding her of God's perfection. To whom thus Adam fervently replied, O woman, best are all things as the will of God ordained them. His creating hand nothing imperfect or deficient left of all that he created, much less man, or aught that mighty his happy state secure, secure from outward force. Adam reminds Eve that the danger is not with God, but is within themselves. We have free will, but the will can be deceived or misinformed. Safety exists only by strictly obeying the will of God. Within himself. The danger lies yet lies within his power. Against his will he can receive no harm, but God left free the will, for what obeys reason is free, and reason he made right. But bid her well beware, and still erect, lest by some fair-appearing good surprise she dictate faults, and misinform the will to do what God expressly hath forbid. Adam tells Eve that he doesn't distrust her. What he says is out of pure love. He adds that no matter how firm we feel, it is possible to go off course if we don't strictly obey the commandments of God. We may fool ourselves with self-argument. Or Satan may, through persuasive arguments and guile, trick us into thinking that good is evil and evil is good. It is an age-old problem. Through language, we may pervert good and justify any behavior through logic. Not then mistrust, but tender love enjoins, that I should mind thee oft, and mind thou me. Firm we subsist, yet possible to swerve, since reason not impossibly may meet some spacious object by the foe suborned, and fall into deception unaware, not keeping strictest watch as she was warned. Again, he warns Eve not to seek temptation. In other words, it is better to avoid temptation altogether than to meet it and overcome it. Perhaps Milton had the following words of David in mind. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Adam continues, Seek not temptation then, which to avoid were better, and most likely, if from me thou sever not, trial will come unsought. Adam advises Eve that obedience is primary. Wouldst thou approve thy constancy, 
approve first thy obedience, the other who can know not seen thee attempted, who attest. But Adam relents and leaves the decision to Eve. But if thou think trial and sought may find us both secure, then thus warned thou seemst. Go, for thy stay not free, absence thee more. Go in thy native innocence, reply on what thou hast of virtue. Summon all, for God toward thee hath done his part. Do thine. Eve's argument breaks down. It is clear that she has already made up her mind and is starting to invent excuses. It is clear that innocent Eve has no comprehension of the wiles of the devil. This is perhaps suggested to Milton's mind by the passage in the New Testament. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In her weakest argument yet, she tells Adam that if she is the weaker, then Satan would be ashamed to tempt her. He would be more likely to tempt Adam. So spake the patriarch of mankind, but Eve persisted, yet submiss, though last replied. With thy permission then, and thus forewarned chiefly by what thou hast last reasoning words touched only, that our trial, when least sought, may find us both perhaps far less prepared. The willinger I go, not much expected, a foe so proud will first the weakest seek. So bent, the more shall shame him his repulse. One can see in this short exchange between Adam and Eve several of the tools Satan uses against man, including pride, justification of one's actions, competitiveness, and so on. Perhaps humility is one of the most difficult character traits to develop. In addition, Milton points out one of the complexities we all face, how we allow argument or logic to lead us away from the truth. In other words, we make decisions and then through argument defend those decisions. Milton is suggesting that the only safety is in strict obedience to the commandments of God. We become vulnerable to Satan's wiles when we use argument to justify violating the laws of God. This concludes the second part of Book 9. Each Monday, we again draw our podcast from Poet's Corner. In Podcast 218, Monday week, we shall continue with Book 9 by examining the temptation of Eve. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.